Hello, my name is Adam. Hello, my name is Johnny. And, and we've, we've never, never seen Rope. rope. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Fine, I'll Watch It, the show where we show somebody, anybody, your headmaster, your old school chum, someone who's a frenemy, uh, a movie they've never seen before, but they absolutely should have. As you heard up top, I'm joined by Adam and Johnny, and this week we are covering 1948's Rope, directed by... Alfred Hitchcock. Gentlemen, welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Hello. So I watched this movie, I think, for the first time in college. There is, it does have a kind of conceit to it, I guess. Um, But I don't want to talk about it if you guys don't know it already. I guess, tell me what you know, what you don't know. Adam, we'll start with you. Good, because I know nothing. Great. Johnny? (laughs) I know absolutely nothing. I don't even know if the rope is physical or metaphorical. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. Like, is this just... It's someone who's tied up all the time, metaphorically speaking. Uh, It could be that. I don't know. I literally have no idea. Other than Alfred Hitchcock, nothing. Okay. This doesn't seem to me like one of those ones that gets mentioned in the Alfred Hitchcock pantheon of your North by Northwest, your psychos, your the birds... None of those, I don't typically ever hear rope thrown in with them, mm-hmm. um, so I know absolutely zero. Okay. Johnny, how about you? Pretty close to Adam. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, but I've heard rope said in the same breath as vertigo and birds and other things, so okay. I do recognize its uh, popularity among those movies, or at least its fame. I don't know anything about it. I well, I know it's Hitchcock, so it's going to be. I'm going to guess thrillerish in nature, in one way or another. Okay. Do either of you have strong feelings about Hitchcock? Any movies that of his that you love? Well, I'll I'll be the first one to admit that I, even though I love film, I don't have a large education of his filmography or exposure. I think my father had a box set or something in like the 90s or the 2000s or whatever. And I remember watching some of the birds. I I remember images of Vertigo and Psycho I've seen. North by Northwest I've seen. Actually, actually fairly recently I've seen. But like things like Rear Window and other ones. Okay. Uh, I know you've mentioned on the show Marnie, I think, a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Um, those I don't. If I have ever been exposed to it, I don't remember a single fucking thing about it. Okay. But, yeah, I love this. This is great because I want an opportunity to, like, dive into it. I know this is, we're not doing a theme, per se. Yep. But hopefully this opens up a conversation about doing more Hitchcock movies on the show. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, I hate it for you, but I love it for me because it means we'll have to cover him more on the show. Sure, yeah. You... <laughs> there's some there's Are they some all holes. 90 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> They're, listen, they're, they to, keep it, they all feel breezy. To the point. We'll put it, we'll put it that way. Moviegoers back then had a lot to do. Yeah. It was busy, 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 rush, rush, rush. 
the roast took five yeah. hours, so they had to get home. Yeah. They didn't have time for these movies. No. Keep it on a tightrope. Yeah. They're only paying a nickel, too. How much are you really going to give them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not a Nickelodeon they're watching. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. When did those fall out of favor? Yeah, not the know. 40s? I don't know. But still, not that much yeah. for the movies back sure. then, you know? You get a real bang for your buck. Yeah, a couple of cents. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know much Hitchcock either. Um, I've seen Vertigo. I remember watching that in college. It was one of those, like, film in the park nights where they put up a projector and oh, nice. uh, put one of those up there. I feel like the problem with Hitchcock for me is that he's so in the popular culture zeitgeist mm-hmm. that I have a hard time knowing, have I actually seen this movie or do I just know every single beat of it? Like a rear window. Oh, uh, yes. Where, like, I feel like I've seen it. Through The Simpsons. Through The Simpsons, through, uh, there was that Shia LaBeouf movie a few years oh, ago. Oh, Disturbia. That was Disturbia, that was basically Rear Window. Um, you know, like, there's been a million apes of Rear Window. So that's one of those ones where, like, I can picture the guy in the wheelchair in the rear window, but is that just because I know that clip? Or because I've seen the whole movie, even though I know all the other parts of that movie because of The Simpsons, because of things like that, so... I think I've seen that one. Uh, same thing like with Psycho. Obviously, the shower scene stands out because that's the scene from that movie. Sure. And I know a lot of the other beats from it, but have I actually seen it? You know, North by Northwest, the guy dives under the plane. You know, is it? Is, do I know that because of the clip, or do I know it because I've seen the movie? I don't. I don't remember. Okay. <laughs> I know for a fact I've seen Vertigo though, because that one I don't think gets seen as much. And it was one of those things where like. You had to understand the vertigo effect in making movies or animations or any of the projects I worked on in college to be like, you have to understand the vertigo effect because we're going to need you to do it here or for this thing. So like, you have to see that in order to kind of get it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's kind of it. I don't, again, it's an older movie, an older director. I don't seek a lot of that stuff out typically. That wasn't where I was looking for entertainment as a young, as a youngster. Or even in college, it was more like, I'll go back to the 70s and... Just take it easy. (laughs) I can only be in this box for six hours to go back that far. I can't. (laughs) I don't have time. (laughs) I can't go that far. I can't go go all the way back to the 40s in this box. I don't have the time. It'd take forever. I think it's like the techniques that I'll probably recognize more than anything else. Mm -hmm. The dolly zooms, Dutch angles, all those things that he, I know, famously has done in his movies. I've seen, like I said, North by Northwest and some ones that I've seen more recently. But yeah, those are the moments I think I'll recognize more than just like diving on a plane or whatever, Mm -hmm. things like that. Yeah, because obviously I I respect the crap out of him for everything that he did for film. And he's at the top of any list of any directors that you want to create, like whatever categories you want to put on it, like he's going to be in it most likely, unless it's comedy directors or documentarians. And even then he's probably on some of those lists too. Yeah. Uh, so I respect the hell out of him for all everything he did for film. I just, I think I see them more in clips or in reference material than I do mm. actually sitting through the, the films themselves. Yeah. Well, do you think this will, this will be a movie that will give you, Johnny, a lot to chew on technically. Okay. There's whether you'll like it or not, we'll see. But it's definitely gonna be a lot of fodder for discussion. And I think this is a great place to start too, especially for you, Adam, because this movie has had a bit of resurgence in the past few years. I think people 
recognize it more in the the Hitchcock canon, but it's my understanding it was not very popular when it came out. Um, Hitchcock kind of actively tried to suppress it. He didn't end up being very happy with it. He wasn't very proud of the work. So it, it wasn't seen really or, you know, available until after he had passed for a period of time. So it's not as heavily referenced as your North by Northwest's, mm. your rear windows, your psychos, even birds. Because it didn't have the time to yeah, build that up. Right. It's not had a chance to kind of eke its way into the public consciousness in the same way. So Yeah, I mean, looking at this here, uh, it's got a budget of between one and a half to two million dollars and made about two point seven. Yeah. So like it didn't make a lot of money, basically just back what it spent. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't know what marketing costs would have been like back then for a movie that he didn't really want to come out. So I imagine it's a pretty much a break-even movie. Yeah. And, you know, it's not like this was at the beginning of his career either. At this point, he's already had uh, Notorious, Spellbound, you know, some of his, like, big black and white movies. Rebecca, which won Best Picture, but he didn't win the Oscar for because that's a whole other thing. So he is, like, it's not like he's this, you heard, heard of this Hitchcock guy? Like, he's known. <laughs> yeah. He's a known quantity. This is his first Technicolor picture. Uh, it's his first collaboration with one of his like big stars, too. But it just never takes off. I did just see the star. When you I did see the star. Yeah, so if you know that we can talk about the star. But I No, I okay. don't. All right. Okay. When I was looking up the budget, I, the, his but, name is really big on the poster. So. <laughs> I thought the guy's name was Rope. Yeah. yeah. Like Clippy from <laughs> fucking... John Dogs. Rope. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So a lot of notable things, but has not start started to really make waves until more recent memory, I guess you could say. Mm. Anything you guys want to see in this movie, hope you get out of this. I hope there's a rope. There, I... Yeah, is there a titular rope? Correct. <laughs> it's him! It's rope! <laughs> All right. All right, so either a man named a rope, rope or, or a rope. A rope, okay. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, I think like you mentioned, I, seeing some of those techniques would be uh, excellent, uh, and to be kind of like aha, cool, amazing things that I'd like to talk about on the show would be great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like his movies. I think also famously kind of get to the chase, and they're fairly ambiguous in the beginning, and they don't sort of hold your hand and tell you a first act so much as sort of drop you into something. Mm-hmm. And kind of live vicariously through the confused and the bewildered of his stories until the very end. So I hope it's like that. All right. Um, and again, hopefully thrillers. I know he kind of dabbled in other things that are a little more straight dramatic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope we get sort of just an atypical Hitchcock movie here. Nice. Dude, would you consider Hitchcock movies their own genre? Again, I can't speak too much to it because i don't have the uh, i haven't seen them enough but um i would know that like people would say oh like this is the new hitchcock or this is the new what have you or Mm. it's very hitchcockian this type of movie and in that vein i've seen and i felt like i know what the tone is of a hitchcock movie and what to expect but yeah I don't know if that completely answered your fucking question, but... Yeah. Would you, Bridget? I, I would. I would. Maybe more of a 
a subgenre because you do you can slot some of them into different places, but there are definitely elements that you see throughout Hitchcock movies that you go, okay, yep, that you can really pin it down. So I would I would say yes. Yeah, because yeah, even having not seen most of them, as I admitted to, I feel like the way that he's talked about makes it so that way a lot of his films all have the same themes, camera tricks, shots, blocking, like all of those different things are what make up a Hitchcock movie. So like someone could go out and make a Hitchcock style movie, not necessarily be as good at it, but like they could take all of those elements and make a movie in the same vein that's their own unique story. More so than you could like a Nolan movie or like I feel like a lot of directors don't get talked about as a genre as much as he does. Right. Yeah. You couldn't yeah. say, I'm going to make a... Maybe Spielberg. Like Maybe you could... Spielberg. But even that, you're defined by eras. Yeah, and true. And you can see, you know, Hitchcock in the early 40s, there's still the same elements into the late 40s and through the 50s, you go from black and white to color. They evolve a little bit, but those, the the Core. base, the foundation yeah. is still there. Um, maybe... Tarantino maybe like as a genre, yeah, like those different elements. But even that, I think is... it's like easier to describe what those movies aren't than what they are. Right, like, you know, like I think Hitchcockian movies are like they're not subtle. Mm-hmm. I think in nature they're more like a high wire act. A lot of the movies and uh, high concept. Yep. But yeah, I mean, to your point, like Tarantino ish has been yeah said in critical analysis of movies for sure. I think what makes him harder is he hasn't done as many. Because, like, obviously, Hitchcock has 40, 50, 60 movies. 69. <laughs> According to Wikipedia. <laughs> According to the IMDb category for director, yes, 69. You know, so he has more to pull from to be able to itemize what makes a Hitchcock movie, so to speak. So, uh, yeah, I'm like you. I'm I'm looking for a lot of those things that make a Hitchcock movie. The the cool camera tricks, the, you know, the stuff all done in camera as opposed to, you know, matte paintings and whatever special effects was in the 40s. Sure. Um, so I'm looking for a lot of that. I am excited because I do, I do like the star. So that, that should be fun. Um, oh, you do? Yes. Because they've worked together. They have. After this and done, he's done some other things. So I, yeah, I think he's good. I think he's a fun Fun actor to watch. I'll be excited. I just keep for this. imagining this guy named was Rope, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mr. Rope, yeah. Yeah. alongside Saddle. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, I want to see a rope. Yep. Um, so yeah, I think I'm in the same boat as you, Johnny, in terms of what to expect and what what I'm hoping for, and just to be a fun, you know, I I don't want to say romp because it's, it's not going to be yeah. that, but like just a f- and fun might not even be the right word for it too, because I again I don't know how serious or grim or spooky or whatnot this will be but i hope to be at least engaged in it and be wanting to continue on as opposed to being as opposed to like checking my watch yeah yeah so that's all i really want from it when's the last time you think you saw this bridget i know um, you said first time in college but uh, over 10 years ago oh okay so it's it's been a while okay is there anything that you're looking forward to seeing on a second or third uh, rewatch just the the chance to see it again and see like if my opinion of it like my analysis of it has changed at all kind of in the past hmm. decade um i hope that you guys will like it i'm a little anxious because i'm trying to part of me is afraid that i'm making this film in my mind to be 
like as good as a notorious or a rear window and it may not be trying to think about it is like hitchcock's like the terminal or something right like exactly (laughs) oh no I know I'm on thin ice with <laughs> Moonstruck and, and Annette, so um, could be dangerous. But you're gun shy for every movie you bring yeah. forth now. I should really. Um, technically, Johnny suggested this one, so that's, I did. Yeah, I was just very excited to talk about it. That's right. Um, but I'm just hoping that whether or not you guys like it, that at least you find it interesting, and that yeah, come away with something. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything else we want to add? No, I'm good. All right. Gentlemen, what do you have to say for yourselves? Fine. Fine. I'll I'll watch watch it. it. just finished 1948's Rope. Adam, Johnny, how do we feel? I loved it. <laughs> I kind of loved it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was delightful. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That was, yeah, that was, that was great. I was, I was worried. All right. We can knock a net off the list. So now I only have one bad tick bar on the belt. <laughs> yeah, you, you bring in a good one, we get rid of a bad one yeah. in our collective memories. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could sense we all loved Farley Granger's performance. That's Philip? Yeah. Yeah, Phillips. Phillips Phillips <laughs> like an old timer. <laughs> <laughs> but I wasn't sure how you guys would feel about all of the other pieces of this movie. Or piece, if you will. Once I realized it was very much a play. Yeah, it's a play. Yeah. That... I knew what to expect. Mm -hmm. I knew we weren't living, we weren't, excuse me, leaving this space. So I got very comfortable. Yep. Like the guest. Settle in. Yeah. I got my little piece of dark meat chicken. Yeah. Have a little pate. My souffle. My pate. Not too much. Not too much. Yeah. Most notably in the beginning was the one take shots. Mm hmm. A lot of them. Yeah. It's meant to be just uninterrupted. Pretty much. The only time it's interrupted is when it goes into someone's back, and I only counted five times of them doing it. I think it happens a total of ten times. Oh, wow. Okay, so I only really saw five noticeable Um, ones. There's two noticeable cuts where um, one is where Russell yells out, and like there's an actual legitimate cut, but Hitchcock wanted it to feel as though you were watching just this whole thing run out real time, continuous. And he would film the entirety of a film canister 
So we had to plan out every eight minutes because that's the about the length of time that you could film for. How long, like what he would do, how he'd be shifting. Like, am I going to move behind the bookshelf? Are we going to pan past a wall or a doorway or into Jimmy Stewart's back? What have you. But I think there are 10 total at about every eight minute mark. Yeah, because that's the length of his movies, eight yeah. minutes. The first time it went into somebody's back, I was like, that was strange. And then when it pulled out, I was like, oh, oh, I get it. I know why we did that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, I'm all right. right. I'm back on board. Because, like, what a strange place to choose to do a cut is zooming into the small of someone's suit jacket. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that was like, I don't know when I realized it was a play, but I was just like, oh, this is a stage play. Like, we're we're just watching a stage play, and I'm I'm totally okay with that. Yeah. Like, I think halfway through, I was like, this is a mammoth play. Like, this is just a long conversation, a lot of jibber-jabber, a lot of side conversations, just so much talking. You know, I love a good uh, talking picture. And I was like, yeah, I'm really, I'm really digging this. Yeah, I mean, it does, like, it's a classic 180 rule with filming that you don't sort of flip onto the other side of something. So, like, this very much followed, like, a play. Like, you would never, only very towards the end do we get, like, a shot of behind the chest where you could see there was a wall there the entire time where say like in a sitcom or like Seinfeld or whatever you never see the other wall yeah. of his apartment you know what I mean unless it's played for laughs where they're like oh that's what's over there uh, yeah correct yeah <laughs> right right but yeah that's what I knew that it was sort of on staying on one plane if you will and the conversation was so comfortable and like how would I say this like it, we I knew we were gonna be leaving this space mm-hmm. Quite yeah. soon, the way people were talking, the way the camera was moving, and I'm like, we're going to be here, like, the whole movie. Pull up a wing back. Yeah. Pull up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the fact that he's like, oh, we're having a party, the party's going to be here, everyone's coming over for the party, like, still in my mind, I wasn't thinking, oh, we're just staying put. Yeah. For the rest of it. There might be something more here, but it just it just kept going, and the more it kept going, I went, okay, yeah, no, we're just... Yeah, yeah, we're just here. <laughs> I also did catch in the beginning of the credits that it said it was based on the play, yep. whatever the play was called. I don't think it was oh, called I Rope. Didn't. It was called something else. Yeah. Oh, I totally missed that. Yeah. yeah. I I think it is. I think it might still be Rope. Is it still Rope? It's still Rope. Um, um, It's by Patrick Hamilton, who also wrote the play that the film Gaslit is based off of. So, God, like, that's not two... True. I swear to fucking God. I swear to God. Were you waiting for me to drop that? That Did you have that one in the chamber? No, as soon as you said gaslight, though, I was like, I'm going to gaslight her. That's just what's going to happen. Jesus Christ. Um, Perfect. I I just, I couldn't resist. As soon as you said, like, as soon as you said gaslight, I'm like, all right, here we go. I'm in in for it now. It well played. You know, because yeah. people of superior intellect like me <laughs> can do these kinds of things like, to the, the lay person like you guys. Right. Wow. <laughs> Just the regular normies. Just kill me now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I could. And yeah. it's not killing season. So You're I, correct, yeah. I can't. I gotta wait till the purge. Thank <laughs> Dude, this movie predicts so many things. We They talk about the purge. Um, you have the the Zodiac aunt. Yeah. Um. Just very ahead of its time feeling. Yeah. Even down to the, like, the what hour you were born. Like, that's beyond the just when is your birthday. That's the deep dive. She's getting your moon and your rising sign. Yeah. She wants to know the whole thing. Doing palm reading and fingertip touching Touching. or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) She's my second favorite character. (laughs) I like Jan. 
Jane was she was a spitfire. Yeah. I just love her at the beginning like, I never know when I'm being funny. Oh, yeah, that's good, <laughs> that's yeah. pretty funny. <laughs> good one. Cut up. <laughs> she works at Allure. That's right, Allure magazine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're still in print. Probably online are. or something. Probably. You guys, we immediately get served something that you were both looking for. The rope. Oh, yeah, the rope's right off the rip. Right, yeah. <laughs> the titular rope is right there. And every shot of the rope is great, not just because we wanted a rope. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because, like, there's that funny thing of, like, I, there better be a rope in here, and then we get a rope. We get the rope. Uh, but then we get, like, the rope right off the jump, which is great. Then you see the rope dangling from the chest, which is great. Then you see him just, like, gripping the rope as he's talking to Mrs. Miller or whatever her name was. The housekeeper. Yeah. Uh, Wilson, I think. Yeah. Uh, and they're just like a close-up shot on the rope. And then you see the rope when it's tied up with the books, which is another great close-up of just the books coming through the frame. So sinister. Oh, man. And then uh, Rupert playing with the rope at the end. Like, every time the rope was on screen, I was riveted. (laughs) (laughs) Which is what you want from a movie called Rope, I must say. Yeah. It is. Like, realistically, we don't see that kind of rope anymore nowadays. Like, that, like... Real loose. Natural... Fiber. Yeah. Maybe in the boat sphere. Yeah. The murder game. The murder rope. So we get the rope, rope and the murder. Yeah. Our I do, element I do, of intrigue. I, I do like this that he yelled before he got strangled. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're just in it. Uh, so a lot of the beginning of the movie we spend with our, our two main characters, our two murderers. Uh, Brendan and Philip. How do we feel about them? Uh, we love Philip. Yeah, Philip's, Philip's great because he's just constant unraveling from what's just taken place. Because like at no point do we ever see Philip normal. Like because he's only ever off because it <laughs> yeah. starts with the murder. Like we don't have a normal casual conversation with him to get a baseline for Philip. Mm-hmm. So it's just from murder forward. It's just a slow unraveling kind of manic because he'll just go up and down with his voice and he'll yell when he doesn't need to and talk quietly when there's someone standing over his shoulder and like can still hear you anyway um so just (laughs) he should have just called this movie shook (laughs) (laughs) well the other thing too the way it's shot like you know you'll you'll meander down this conversation and so philip will leave the frame for bits but then the camera will kind of wander back to him and every time he reappears, he's worse off. He's more white. He's just like, he's more oh, pale. like lip quivering, sweatier, like, just, it's great. oh, every time he's sh- like, we laughed quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. The one towards the end when I think Rupert's about to come back and it cuts to Philip and his hair has that like little Superman twirl, mm-hmm. but he's just like ghostly pale and sweaty. Like you can tell he's just damp. Yep. And then he's got that, like, disheveled hair a little bit, and his arms are by his side, and he's just like, uh, uh. <laughs> Please don't make me answer the phone. What if we say we're not here? Yeah. He's just <laughs> totally <laughs> disassembling. He wants a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> no, my favorite line is, He said you could have it! Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so he is... The more submissive of the two of them. Oh, yeah. Let's put it that way. Um, how do we feel about Brendan? 
the our leader. I mean, he's a smug son of a yeah, bitch. Yeah, he's a swarmy fucking dude, yeah. yeah. He's got his charm, you know, he's always mm-hmm. trying to charm everybody. It's a real charm offensive, but he just, I don't know, I, I was <laughs> more intrigued by Philip. <laughs> yeah. Like, is he going to crack? Like, that was more intriguing of a plot thread of, is Philip going to hold it together? Or how is he going to let things slip more so than Brandon? Because, like, Brandon's not letting anything slip. Yeah. Brandon's keeping it completely together. You know, he's got an answer for everything. So it just becomes kind of like, a, eh, I don't really care about you so much. I want you to get yours in the end, if that's what is going to happen. But, yeah, I mean, he did a good job at yeah. being a smarmy asshole. You know, and all his conniving little plans yeah. with Jan. Yeah. And, and, yeah, it was just, it's all just creepy weirdness. Yeah, you get a good sense Farley Granger does such a fantastic job as Philip of, you know, being this this person who's just completely unraveling, completely undone. But I think his name is James Dell. Is so good at doing the psychopath because we really the murder is is pretty quick and then you move on mm-hmm. really fast. Yeah, and it's then John it's Dahl. John Dahl, thank you. And you move on pretty quickly and it's worrying about, you know, where are the place settings and what have you. But you get his psychopathy is really threaded through the movie of, you know, all these different games he's trying to play with the people in his life and all the arranging. And I hope I haven't met a murderer, but I think we've all met someone who is like that. That wants to play games and wants to... And, like, you're just he like, He wants to oh flirt my. even more with danger, push it even yeah. more. It's like, dude, yeah. you already got it covered up and you just shining a light at the chest yeah mm. someone that you might have a good time with like every four out of five times but then on that fifth time you go "Ooh, there's yeah. something about you that makes precedent. me yeah. like that makes my skin crawl and i can't quite pinpoint it that sort of casual cruelty yeah he's like a 1940s edgelord yeah <laughs> it's in the very like and like sort of you see the 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 beginnings of a patrick bateman type character oh, yeah. like very foppish dandy kind of guy they're all wholly unique characters they mm-hmm. all have something to say they're all <laughs> they, they all do, do. <laughs> they all they all do say something that we hear from hear from everybody yeah even david even david just, ah! <laughs> um we know what kind of hat he likes to wear and yeah that's... the same one as rupert even though it's slightly <laughs> different apparently right um yeah, every yeah, everybody's got a, a few good lines in this, you know. Everybody, and you're right. Everybody's a different type of person. Yeah, it just, it just, I, I treated this like watching like a really good like rendition of Clue or something like that, where it's mm. like, yeah, we already know who did it. Like this is like the reverse of that, so mm. we're kind of watching it inversed. So yeah, I was glad it didn't devolve into like a like a Clue or like a Poirot movie or something where it's Rupert is the master, the mastermind who's able to come in and crack the code on the murder and yeah. who, you know like i'm glad it didn't become an interrogation at the party that the party just kind of was organic and he asked some questions and pride a little bit but it wasn't like a sit down i have a tale to weave about a murder afoot like it yeah. wasn't anything too over the top so i appreciated that once rupert got there and when i realized that rupert was jimmy stewart because like i knew he was in it because i saw mm-hmm. his name on the poster that's what i was talking about before once he got in there and they're like, oh, he's so smart. He's, you know, he might figure out. He's so inquisitive. I'm like, oh, no, is he going to be like a detective type? And this is going to 
devolve into everybody sit here. I have a I have a thing to tell you. Yeah. Um, the fact that it wasn't that was like a okay good. No, yeah, me too. And it made for his coming back interrogation that much better because it wasn't a big pomp and circumstance in front of the party situation. Yeah. I mean, my favorite one was the metronome one. Oh. oh. Because the metronome, man, that's just going to get you. That's the oh, telltale yeah. heart kind of situation. There. Yeah. Just... And Phillips is playing like playing minor. Chopsticks, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Oh my God. It was busted up hand. Yeah. Cracked a champagne glass. Give that's me funny. a brandy. Yeah. Um, Turn that light off. <laughs> can't play with the light in my eyes. I can't play with the light in my eyes. I have to practice for town hall. Um, yeah, Jimmy Stewart. How do we feel about Jimmy Stewart now oh, that Jimmy his Stewart. Yeah, he's great. He's great to watch. Yeah, he's why I love 1940s voices. Yeah, iconic oh, voice. Yeah, so so classic. Yeah. How do you feel about his role here? I think it's perfect. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was great. I yeah. mean, I expected him to be in it more mm-hmm. because you know his name is plastered all over the poster, but that's just because he's the big name. At least to me, I don't know any of these other actors. But the fact that he was the last one to show up to the party and the most integral to the plot, I enjoyed watching it. Like, I enjoyed watching him play coy with Philip. Mm-hmm. You know, I enjoyed watching him have just kind of passing through a conversation, picking up on a couple of things. I love his flirting with Mrs. Wilson. Like, that whole dynamic is great. Mm-hmm. She's like, you have two desserts. He's like, one for you and one for you, my love, and one for me. Yeah. I'm going to leave this plate of ice cream, though, and walk away. <laughs> I was thinking about that ice cream. Oh, it's going to melt. You know, the Mrs. Wilson left. The cops are going to be there interrogating yeah. any minute now. I was thinking all like seven or eight people were going to like eat like a tiny rotisserie chicken. <laughs> 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 it was so tiny. Like, what? Yeah. I remember that little like vegetable sculpture with the yeah, tomatoes yeah. and the toothpicks. Right. We never got a better look at that. Yeah. No. What was that? What's happening? You'd think a small Give serving service yeah. like the chest would have al- afforded us the ability to get a nice, nice wide shot of the spread, but it yeah. never happened. Right. Heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Like he made the walls of that set movable. Like just push him a little bit yeah. back farther yeah. and give me. Give me craft services corner. Yeah, get please. <laughs> please. Oh, I want it. Um, I did like how. The background changed over oh, time. Isn't that... It was gradual, then it was like, okay, I like that a lot. It was money. Yeah. Oh, oh was... the outside? Correct. Yeah. Like the map painting? Yeah. It was funny, when they first opened the things, I was like, is their city on fire? Because there was like a lot of big billowy clouds in it. Mm-hmm. But it looked like they were coming out of the skyscrapers. So I was like, is the whole... Is their world on fire? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which would be a great metaphor for committing a murder, is that your whole world's burning down around yeah. you. So it would have worked. But yeah. I don't think that was the case. No, I love that. And then especially towards the end when, like, the neon lights were, like, really adding really a lot flat. more mm-hmm. intensity to the scene. Yeah, because you can kind of see them when it was still light out outside the windows. Yeah. But only when it became dark outside did you see that pulsing in the room. Right. Which, again, is mimicking the sirens that are coming for them. So, like, the whole thing just tied together perfectly. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. I did my one concern for myself coming back to see see this movie was... You know, how do I feel about Jimmy Stewart in this sort of, he's supposed to be this nihilist. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy Stewart is Jimmy Stewart. Like, what are you talking about? You know, he's always so warm. It's hard for him to be like, going into this, I was thinking about him being like, I'm a nihilist and I'm going to Washington. You're like that kind of Jimmy yeah. Stewart. But he does acquit himself well. But there's parts of me that I'm like, he might just be a little too warm. 
in my own mental image of him to fully buy him as this more cutthroat kind of twisted Nietzschean philosopher. <laughs> I mean, he get, he he plays like the downtrodden uh, nihilist a little bit at the end of his rope in the Christmas one that just jumped out of my brain. Oh, it's a wonderful it's life. It's a wonderful life. Thank you. Where like, you know, he's given up. He's a, he's going to kill himself. Like that kind of plays here a little bit in terms yeah. of the like, we just murder people whenever we want. Who cares? Life is meaningless. <laughs> yeah. But that's like more of a, the sort of like classic Jimmy Stewart of like, you know, working class guy. Like I'm given up because the world has like trod me down. And this is meant to be a guy who's very much of the upper class, mm. you know, um, bourgeoisie headmaster like, at a private head ma- school. headmaster He's at a cultured. private school yeah. yeah and you know just like fuck it you know that mm-hmm. it, which is a very different than like i'm gonna throw myself off this bridge because my bank is failing and my whole life has fallen yeah, apart true um the difference between man at the end of his rope and man at the top of his life who just wants to man who everyone just keeps them. keeps making nooses yeah. kind of thing <laughs> um but he is He's so good at, like, the sly cutting remarks, Mm -hmm. like, he makes a couple to Joan, and you get the sense he always has the upper hand, and even when he doesn't, he clearly does not care, and so you lose, no matter what, when you're in a conversation with him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think he pulled off the role perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Or our other characters. So we've got Jan. Jan. Who is the main love triangle interest here, even though only two-thirds of the triangle is alive. Yep. The fiancé of David, our murder victim. Her old fling, Kenneth, has been invited by Brendan to sow discord and... Kenneth is kind of cool. Kenneth. Yeah, he seems like a nice guy. And they had that really nice talk where they, like, got over... Because, you know, it can't be easy being friends with someone that's an ex, Mm -hmm. let alone someone that's now... Uh, about to be engaged yeah. or is engaged he to says, someone that was a best friend. <laughs> you know, he, he plays it off well. They had a really yeah. good talk and it seems like they both grew from that conversation, which is very nice to see. It was swell. Yeah. Yeah. Like, good luck to the both of them in the future. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kenneth's the weakest character, though. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah, yeah, he is, yeah. He's, there's nothing to him. Yeah. But he's, he's really harmless. just... He's harmless. He's harmless. Yeah. He's just there to be the third in... Yeah. The love triangle or whatever like he's just there for brandon to twist the knife into jan like that's really it like yeah. it's i killed your i killed your fiance you're eating food from his grave which i love that imagery of calling it serving the food from his grave rather than like serving it on top of him or yeah right putting the dead body in the same room like the the wording used was very very to the point which i, I liked very much <laughs> but yeah he's just there to again twist the knife into into jan a little bit like that's that's his character. <laughs> yeah. Cuz I don't think we learn anything else about him even from like his childhood days or what he used to be like or what he does now or anything yeah. like that. It's just it's... you're her ex, right? Cool. You got a shot. I bet David's out of the picture. Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, he just he's gone to the same prep school, so Jimmy Stewart was his headmaster too mm-hmm. and now he goes to Harvard. Dated Jan. Which is a crime in and of itself. (laughs) 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 Some would say. Some would say. Yeah, so we get David's dad, Mm -hmm. uh, Mr. Henry Kentley, who's 
here to look at some books and that's why we're having the party like the constant changing of why the party exists was really weird of like no it's here so we can look at the books but also it's a going away party for philip who's living in connecticut for six weeks <laughs> yeah <laughs> someone's mom yeah with maybe his own I don't... Yeah, I don't know no he's going so he's going this is my understanding he's going to the everybody here is all very wealthy and Brendan's parents have a house in the country in Connecticut. So Brendan and Philip are going to the country house together to rest. But mostly Philip is going. Just Brendan is also coincidentally going. Yeah. Got it. Still tagging along for the ride. Also, they're going to dump a, a dead body. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. He's got to go. And, and feel each other up some more. Yeah. Which was a noted, like... Yeah. Yeah, I could see it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a lot of that in the movie too. Yeah, there's a lot right there's from a, the jump. Right from the jump. Oh yeah, he's yeah he's full well, on feeling up the dead body. Yeah, what if you said that like right at the opening? Yeah. I was like, okay. Yeah, because who checks for a pulse that way? I don't know what it was like back in the '40s, but to me, it's always been the wrist or the neck that you check for a pulse. Not let me just grab his chest up and down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. While we breathe really heavily. Yeah, right. yeah. Well, they committed a murder. The breathing heavily is just yeah. part uh, of the game. <laughs> I think it's... There's a lot of, like, post-coital in mm-hmm. the, the end of the murder. There's a lighting of cigarettes. There's the popping of the champagne. Yeah. Let me take that from you. Let me finish that off for you. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of just barely not explicit innuendo to these two are gay lovers. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, in the play, it was explicitly stated, you know, that yeah. these two are homosexual lovers but that was also oh, really part in the of, play yes mm-hmm. some of the reason that this movie may not have been quite so popular is that it was pretty explicit for its audience at mm-hmm. that time yeah well even just looking here because there's a whole section obviously on the subtext for the movie uh, but it said that it's believed that john Dahl, who played brandon is gay mm-hmm. or was gay same with farley granger and yeah. arthur lawrence who is the screenwriter for this so there's yeah. a lot of can't say it because it's the 40s, but everyone kind of knows who you go home with kind of thing. Right, yeah. Yeah. And there's comments about, you know, we can't arrive back in New York at the same time because we don't want people to think. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the conversation about Philip killing the chicken, is it about killing a chicken or is it about something else? Well, what I, else does the headmaster Yeah, I mean, were they getting doing? to a story after killing the chicken that was going to be even doubly more embarrassing? Than killing the chicken. I also was thinking that way Maybe. too. Yeah. But I, it's, it's just so hard to watch that and know the euphemism now. Oh, yeah, yeah. For choking a chicken. Right, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> put it into the context of what they're clearly dancing around yeah, in correct. this movie. And so it just becomes like, a, oh, you're so on the nose and you don't even know it. <laughs> Which may be why this movie has gained in popularity because that subtext is... Right, you're hitting the nail right on the head. Yeah, it's like no longer. It's no longer. It's just text. <laughs> It's just right there. Yeah, so like seeing the subtext and the underlying issues of the, the character, the, those two characters, is just made overtly funny by the fact that their their big story that he dare not speak for yeah. absolute <laughs> embarrassment is how he one time caught his, his friend choking the chicken a little too gently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, stop it right there. Yeah. Like, don't go any further about me choking that chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want them to know. There's ladies present. <laughs> yeah. So that that part of it just, I yeah. don't know, I laugh really hard at that. <laughs> <laughs> Dirtily. 
Yeah, because even like when they're having a conversation early on, it's like they're talking to each other so close. Oh, it's super. Like, yeah. Super in. Yeah, just. And it feels very much like a, like a power play kind of relationship between the two of them, where he's very much like, "You do what I say, and you do it right now." Like, oh, there's some dominance. Well, but it's how like a a husband would have talked down to a wife in the forties of mm-hmm. like, "You do what I say." Just fall in line. I'm in charge here, kind of thing. And he's just like, okay, like Poor very Philip, meek. And, Poor Philip. Yeah. So like, even that part of it, like, it leaps off the screen. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Philip. I'm just thinking I know. about him now. He'll flip on on Brandon, and he'll, he will. He'll get time served or whatever. He, like, yeah. He'll he, be fine. He pretty much already did. Rupert will probably testify for him. He'll be like, no, he was the one that led on what was going on. He's the one that ultimately confessed to me in the room. Mm-hmm. He he should get leniency. Yeah. Our other dinner guests. Oh, yeah. So we had uh, Mr. Kentley, who's there for his books, um, and very just concerned for his sick wife at home, and his son, who has not showed up to this party that he was clearly invited to. Uh, we then get his sister-in-law, who is uh, Ms. Anita Atwater. She's the uh, wannabe psychic slash horoscopologist astrologer. Yeah. She rocks. She's so awesome. <laughs> Yeah, from the grand entrance with her big fur coat and the hat with the veil and just like the whole thing of, I'm here, I've been in New York three days and I love it. Yeah. <laughs> she's just, she's in it. And then Mrs. Mrs. Wilson is really the only other character in, in this. Mm-hmm. But she's great too. Yeah. She just wants Rupert real bad. Yeah, she does. I love the conversation. She's like, I got the pate you like. And he's like, I don't like that anymore. And she's like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, now I'm just fucking with you. Yeah. It's, it's fine. I'll just dashing you. Yeah. You know me, I'm a cut-up yep. who wants to murder people. Yeah. Speaking of which, how did you guys feel about the conversation based around the purge and murder and all that? That whole scene? Because, like, I thought that scene was great because of how uncomfortable Mr. Cantley was getting because he just is not a fan of murder, as <laughs> one could imagine. Yeah. Right. And then he's basically getting, like, tag team from each side of being like, murder's awesome and we should all be able to do it, you idiot. <laughs> You're one of those dumb people who should get murdered by me, you smart guy. Yeah, there must be like three times where he's like, now I know you're joking. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not. Well, you might as well go kill me right now because I'm dumb because I can't tell. <laughs> um, no, I really, I like that scene. I like it a lot. Because it is funny because you, you get to enjoy Jimmy Stewart riffing. It's fun to, to have him do his little monologue where he talks about, you know, yeah, we'll just go stab a waiter, mm-hmm. we'll get this guy, we'll get the next. And it's it's very jovial but you the shot widens and as more people are in it you know you see people get uncomfortable and it's interesting to see the dynamic between rupert and brendan where rupert is kind of just dancing the line of like well i'm saying it i like believe it theoretically and you know then you have someone who believes it in practice you know yeah and that sort of idea of how much can you kind of disavow your own beliefs when they do like put someone like Brendan into action? Yeah. Which is like, it is kind of sad for, for Brandon when you think about the fact that it seems like Rupert got this idea into his head at a young age mm-hmm. and then he's grown up and never learned otherwise. Like, because from a kid, a person he looked up to has basically been like, murder's cool. Like, wouldn't it be fun if we did a murder? How powerful would we be and how smart would that make us to do a murder and get away with it? And so he's just lived his, I mean, I don't know how old he is. I can't tell how old people are in the 
40s, but <laughs> I assume he's probably in his late 20s, early 30s, if they're talking about, if not younger. I yeah, guess. I think yeah. they're meant to be in their early 20s. Like, they're all still undergrads, technically. Oh, okay. Um, So, like, not that far removed from their high school career where they would have known this mm. Rupert. Yeah, I was trying to see if it said any, like, ages or whatever, but it doesn't. But, like, late, late in their college careers where they're thinking about getting married and yeah, all that. Yeah, because like 19 is too old to get married in 1940-whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 22 is old maid. Yeah, you're ancient. Hang it up. It's not happening for you. Yeah, but that's kind of sad for a man to, to think that murder is the, the right thing to do and then carry it out and then be hoping to brag to your your old, the person who got you made you this way, essentially, only to find out that you were just, you read that situation totally wrong so it's like super devastating to watch him not only get caught in the end but to be taken down a peg that like no these beliefs that you have like i was just talking man like you're crazy yeah how could you do this like and you make me look like i created you like no that's fucked up i hate you (laughs) yeah and because it's not just you know i think you see Rupert at the end come around to, it's not just that, like, murder is okay, but, like, the belief in my own superiority mm-hmm. and the separation of myself from the remainder of humanity, that's what has kind of caused this. Not whether, you know, murder itself is a just or moral thing. That was the, the critical undoing that brought us to this kid in this chest. This, this <laughs> hope chest. chest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like this should be required viewing in college because there are so many, like, edgelord types who are, oh, you know. Like, I, I joked a few weeks ago about, uh, you know, something's wrong when someone, like, really loves the Joker. Like, that's mm-hmm. Brandon. Oh, like, yeah. Brandon is one of those types. And I feel like if you show this to those types, they'd be like, oh, fuck. The people who I look up to that think this will dress me down if I actually do it. So maybe I shouldn't. Like, maybe this isn't the right mindset to have. That's... Wow, I'm changed. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. maybe save one or two people. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, this is the perfect movie to watch in college because whether you want to talk about technical stuff, you want to talk about, you know, the celluloid closet and, you know, like early depictions of homosexuality in film, mm-hmm. or you want to talk about, you know, rhetoric and there's just so much. There's so much. Mm-hmm. There's so much. Yeah. And Farley Granger and Phillips there and he's falling apart. Yeah. For an 80 minute movie, like, it packs a lot of topics within it that are that should be required viewing for discussion when people are learning about film or learning about anything like this Mm -hmm. but i even love how when he's getting reamed out by rupert when brandon's getting chewed out by rupert he even basically says the line that's used now of like we live in a society like (laughs) yeah (laughs) all within it yeah that's why you can't do these things because we're all just people and we live together and we have to you don't get to choose who does or who doesn't like you're not Mm -hmm. god which is a thing that people say now of like yeah. we live in a society you can't just be a piece of shit. <laughs> it doesn't always work, but no, it's just funny that like that line is said there seventy years ago. <laughs> so has there been like a resurgence of it being in a play like since the movie? I want to say there was. Someone might have tried to film it for television recently, but I don't know if it's been like brought back like a major stage production in any way yeah so looking at this um the play is called rope but in america it was uh, called rope's end oh interesting um so it is a british play 
Uh, it played, you know, a bunch of theaters all over. It had a, a run on Broadway in 1929. And then the film and t- TV adaptations, there was a uh, a broadcast on experimental live television uh, in 1939. Uh, then there was another version that was broadcast on the British commercial network ITV in 1957. Uh, a version was made for Australian television in 1959. This 1948 rope uh, is the film version. Does not look like... Okay, so this is just a, a side note. In the original play, Rupert is a 29-year-old uh, World War veteran. Oh, interesting. Is a much older person because Jimmy Stewart was 40 at the yeah. time of filming. And so they made they age him up to be not a contemporary of mm-hmm. the murderers, just a, a headmaster instead. Uh, it's the only fi- feature film to date, but in 1983, it was dramatized as a BBC Radio 4 drama for Saturday Night Theater, starring Alan Rickman as uh, Rupert. Mm. Okay. So those are the uh, those are the adaptations of it. Got it. Yeah, this seems like it. This is screaming for a Broadway revival with like a, a all-star stellar cast of like movie actors, like a Brian Cranston's coming in. He's playing Rupert. Like, you know, like those people who, yeah, I know you can totally see it happen. I mean, listen, I, I don't know if you've seen, I mean, we were talking about him before the movie, but like hateful eight is very much like this movie. If you've yeah, not seen all, it, that's true. All yeah. set in the one, it's the all cabin. set basically in one cabin. It's a whodunit. It's, you have like, Samuel Jackson playing the Rupert, who's like the most inquisitive, mm-hmm. checking out every party in the room, having conversations, putting out feelers. So, yeah, definitely a inspiration for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I would, I mean, if this came back as a play with like a high caliber oh, cast, totally. I would absolutely see this. This is yeah. great. Because mm-hmm. I, you know, I've talked about I love like Mammoth stuff and Sorkin stuff, and this feels right at home in their ilk because it is just fast talking. You know, we don't have a lot of movement, but it's just limited limited places, a lot of talking. Some of it's important, some of it's not. It's There's parts that are funny. There's parts that are, you know, like, oh, my God. Or the, when Mrs. Wilson's taking down the, oh. the place settings and the candelabra on the chest where the dead body is, and you don't even see the rest of the room. You just see her getting things ready. I'm like, is someone going to do something? Because she's going to unearth a dead body here, and I don't think we're ready for this. Yeah. <laughs> That's what makes you so anxious that you don't see anyone's reaction mm-hmm. to what's going on. You don't see eyes darting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the dialogue is still carrying on. Like, it's still pithy, and it's still just, like, it just keeps going. And nobody's yeah. nobody's pitch is changing. Everybody's voice stays the same. It's all calm. But me as the viewer is very much not calm. It's yeah. very well done. What do you think of the uh, the camera work and stuff, Johnny? I know we talked about this beforehand about being excited to see what kind of Movements. I know we talked about the one shot through, but anything else? Yeah, I, I noticed the one shot, and then I noticed when we started going all the way to the kitchen, then all the way back. And by the way, when they opened the door to the fridge, I'm like, everything in there looked bomb. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was just champagne yeah. and like some brie, finger probably. food and shit. Yeah, yum. And then yeah, the camera came dollied all the way back into the other room. Yeah, there was some interesting stuff going on with it. And again, limited space. It was great. Yeah. My favorite really thing clever. that they did was when Rupert was going through how you would get rid of David. Oh, yeah, it was and great. And the camera was just moving through the apartment to all the different places. Like, he'd yes. come in the door, and then you'd bring him in, and then maybe you'd offer him a drink, and then he'd sit down. And it's just going, like, 
from chair to chair to the piano, back to the bar area, to all these different places. And it's like, then you'd walk behind him and you hit him in the head and the camera moves around behind the chair. So like that whole reenactment of the quote unquote reenactment without any people in it, just the camera moving through the space was great. Yeah. For a minute, I thought they were going to do a clever edit where the camera was going to dolly towards like the foyer and then you would see like a, basically a flashback of like the three of them walking into like the apartment Mm -hmm. and we would see essentially right before the murder, something take place. But I'm glad you didn't see that. Yeah. It was very cool to sort of see that handheld kind of move around and everything. Um, even though there were points where I'm like, you can tell when like an actor moved out of the way for the camera, there was some like blocking. It was, it, but in a charming way, it wasn't yeah. like sloppy. It was just, this is cool because I guarantee this is one of the first kind of ways they were doing it. Mm-hmm. So it was just sort of like, that's, that's cute. I like that's that. cute. I, yeah. You, you go. I'm a fan. Yeah. I'm a thank fan. you for doing it. Thanks trying for doing this. That. Yeah. Cause thank it you meant for doing that, that other people could. Could do it. Do better. it better. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to walk so they can run. Yeah. Right. But yeah, again, I like the time passing with being outside, going from like bright outside to like, you know, dusk, all that shit was great. Yeah, the only thing with the camera movements that weird that's weird to me is the fact that they're all at this party for seemingly like a half an hour. Like in a half an hour, they have drinks, dinner, book, chat, dessert, and they're gone. You know, because like the movie is only 80 minutes Mm -hmm. and the first 10, 20 or so are the murder and the setup for the murder. And then the last 10 to 20 is Rupert coming back, which means that we've got a very short window of party. And I know sometimes I wish a party was that long. (laughs) Just give me two glasses of champagne, a coffee and some cake and like like a, a chicken thigh and I'm out. Yeah. Yeah, but it didn't seem like long enough for you to actually get super worried about a person being late. Because like, what what's forty minutes late to a like a a party? Yeah, not a dinner party where it's a sit down thing, but like a social gathering where you could come in and out. And again, I don't know what etiquette was back in nineteen forty eight, but it seems slightly accelerated for yeah time constraints and storytelling. But it was it good because it made you feel super comfortable, like mm-hmm. the guest for a long extent of time while mm-hmm. you had fucking. Our, our boy just, like, falling, melting in the background. Um, there's a great moment at the party where Jimmy Stewart lights his cigarette from the candelabra. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. That's good stuff, I just want to be there. It's a great apartment. A, oh, yeah. A lot of, lot of flavor. Great views. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful windows. Got some character. Got some charm. Yeah. Some art. Yeah, I do like that scene where she's like, I want to talk about the piece of art Oh yeah, on the other side of that wall. And she points, and we get over, and the camera like moves around, and she's like pointing to nothing at the wall. Like, I'm yes. talking about this piece right here. Yeah. <laughs> Just a yeah. whisper, how dare you? Yeah. yeah. Oh, is this new? I'm going to fucking kill you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically. <laughs> you knew we were broken up. Yeah. His plan really wasn't very smart. I mean. No. You gotta be pretty dumb to commit a murder anyway. But he's he's outwardly lying to both Ken and Jan and secretly hinting towards at least one of them that they're gonna reconcile by the end of the night. Mm-hmm. You don't think they're gonna talk to one another and find out that you acted like you didn't know, but also that you did know that they were broken up? Because that's what happens. Like they talk to each other and they find out that you're full of shit. <laughs> Yeah. He's a sociopath. Yeah. 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 And he's he's sloppy. You know, even just the like 
David's hat is still in your closet. Right? With his initials in it. Like, come on. What's going on? It's not Donkey Kong's. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty braggadocious, too, to be like, we've committed the perfect murder. Now let's invite a bunch of people over. Yeah. <laughs> the movie does do a good job of making you feel as confident he does that. He's like, wow, you might actually like get away with all this shit. And then like slowly but surely, it's like the little things. Like, this guy's kind of full of shit. He's a sociopath. Yep. And towards the end, slobby. Yep. No, the second Philip puts his hand on the chest... And, like, kind of uses it to hold himself up because he can't believe what he's just done. I was like, there's no way they're getting away with this. There's no way Philip is laughing the whole oh, time. Oh, no. Yeah, sure. This dude's ready to crumble now, and it just happened. Yeah. But, like, once a guest arrives, you feel way more comfortable that, like, this guy has control of the room. Mm-hmm. Until he doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I knew Philip was going to be his undoing anyway, so I never, like, I never thought that, like, oh, he might get away with it. He's uh, he's doing a pretty good job. Because I was like, Philip's just going to cut the rug out from underneath you. Right. So I never got to, like, quote-unquote, bond with him in that way of being like, well, he is kind of smarmy and he might just get away with it. Because because you're right, he was sloppy. Like, he's he's telling lies and he's not keeping track of the lies that he's telling. And he's telling contradictory lies to people. He actively wants to converse and go home together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not clear that he even knows what, like, what is he doing? Like, I think he just wants... I think he finds it appealing to have all of these people together that he can kind of manipulate and control, manipulate yeah. and control you know. Technically, Jan does say that she threw him over and then got with Kenneth and then got with David. Mm-hmm. So there's an element of like, gotcha, bitch, there. Yeah, she has worked her way through the group. Yeah. She can't help it. She's fun. Yeah. It's not her fault. No. She's in demand. Yeah, but what are you doing? Like, it's just a weird kind of exercising your power, but not really knowing. You're pulling levers and not knowing or caring what they do. Yeah. It's like your first day with superpowers. Where it's like, yeah, you shoot lasers out of your fingers. Yeah. But like, are you thinking about the guy on the high rise you just murdered with your laser fingers? Because yeah. I don't think you are. <laughs> yeah. Like, what do you mean you're trying to microwave a lean cuisine? What are you doing? <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> yeah, but he does maintain... The facade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he doesn't ever really break. So, I mean, I guess props to him in that regard. God. And if you've ever met a good liar, you're like, oh, I've gotten that lie before. Like, mm. there's a line where they go up to confront him, and he's like, I don't think that's what I said. Yeah. Again. Written by... The Gaslight Guy. The Gaslight Guy. Yeah. How many psychopaths do you think that playwright knew? Maybe like, just Like, go to a one. dinner party at his house. Right. Maybe you only just, need one. Maybe just himself. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the most psychopathic part about him is he's like, I'm such a psychopath. I'm going to write plays about psychopaths and no one's going to know that that's me. Smart. (laughs) Got him. Write what you know. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Even when he, even when Rupert was onto him and called out the gun, I was like, okay, he's fucked now. And then he does that turnabout of like, me, a gun? I mean, yeah, but burglars, not for you. I just have this because, you know, yeah. we were alone again and you gotta be safe. I was like, oh, fuck, he got out of that one too. Damn. Rupert's gonna get him though still. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. now Rupert has the gun. Right. Oh, the, the fight, the for, the fight gun. for the gun. Mm-hmm. Right. I thought someone was gonna get one in the chest. I really did. I didn't think it was just gonna go into the floor harmlessly and, and just cause a cut or a laceration or whatever it was to Rupert's hand. I really thought one of them was getting shot. It would have been great if it went through the chest and, like, the chest started, like, leaking out blood. 
That certainly would have been a visceral way yeah. to confirm his suspicions. Though I liked him opening the chest and you don't no, see great. his you don't reaction. See it. yeah. It's just another one of those cuts. Yeah. Uh, but if you time right. it out, it's probably at the it, eight it minute totally mark. It totally is, yeah. Um, that they open the chest and, and do that. But that was cool to not see the reaction. Again, it was like the candelabra removal scene. of You don't see the reactions, but you, you can assume and you know right. it's pretty devastating because you know what is taking place. Yeah, the last few minutes of that are great. But yeah, I really thought when he when he called them out on the gun, that 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 was going to be it for him, and not like you get a, you get one more chance. Yeah, burglars in Greenwich mm-hmm. can never be too careful. Yeah, as a gay man in the forties and high rise in New York, carry a gun. I imagine they're going out like somewhere like Kent or Sharon, all those burglars mm. in a town of two hundred people. Yeah. I do love how they show you the the gun is loaded though, because you don't see the the wheel in the frame. Right. And he's like, "It's not loaded, is it, Brandon?" Just, and then it just kind of pans and like he angles the gun, and you see it's got six bullets in it. I did I did enjoy that quite a bit to the point that I was counting how many shots he shot out the window to be like, "All right, how many does he have left?" Because we got one on the floor, and we got I think three outside. Yeah. So, so there's two, two bullets left, yeah. and there's two guys left in the room. In a room of three. Like, there's three people left and two bullets. What are we going to get? Yeah. So I was like, I was on edge ready for a a double murder. <laughs> or at the very least, a murder-suicide. Yeah. Right. Depending on who got the gun after that. But I very much did like the townspeople being like, was that a gunshot? Did you hear guns? Was that a gun? We should call the police. Just kind of letting that unfold. Because I'm like, you can't go to the phone. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're Rupert, you can't turn your back on them to go call somebody on the phone. Which... They said there's one in the bedroom, but there's also one in the hall. Is the one to the hall just for the thing downstairs, or was that an actual working phone? No idea. Because they made everybody else who needed to use the phone go into the bedroom. Yeah. Not That's that a good matters. question. Yeah, not that it matters in the grand scheme of things, but that would explain more so why he didn't right. want to call the cops himself and made it so that way somebody else had to call for him. Mm-hmm. But I liked that touch. Yeah. Mostly because I was on edge ready for a, a double murder. Yeah. <laughs> That was no, don't shoot Philip. He just went to go play the piano again. Dude, he's, yeah, he's... Playing like Beethoven or something. It's a pile of wet rags right yeah. now. Leave him alone. Yeah. It wouldn't have put it... I, I wouldn't have put it past Philip, though, to wrangle the gun back and kill Brandon and kill himself. Because he can't live with the guilt kind of thing. Yeah. Or he doesn't want to go to prison or whatever. You know, whatever thing he comes up with to tell himself that he, he has no way out. Where would you guys say this falls in sort of your... Hitchcock rankings. And does it feel like a Hitchcock movie to you? Kind of. Yeah, kind of. I think it's more dialogue heavy than most of what I remember from other... Again, I've every Hitchcock movie I've only seen once, mm-hmm. if I've even seen it all the way through, and not just a series of clips and references and montages. So they don't really sit too well. For some reason, I don't remember Vertigo having this much dialogue. Or Rear Window having this much dialogue maybe it does Mm -hmm. but i and i just don't remember them as well but this definitely seems a little different than that the camera work does the fact that he's doing all these in-camera tricks Mm -hmm. feels right at home with hitchcock stuff so that makes a ton of sense that it's a hitchcock film from that perspective but in terms of the dialogue and stuff it it does seem like it could be somebody else's or not that i wouldn't necessarily peg as him Uh, where it ranks though i think probably towards the top only because it's freshest and Mm-hmm. I mean, having only ever seen everything once, 
that I've seen. I'm going to remember this one more. But this is also more my type of film. Yeah. Like, I do love a dialogue-heavy, chatty kind of movie like this. So I think it probably ranks pretty high in that regard alone. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Uh, The techniques are total Hitchcockian, but I would also say the paranoia is definitely Mm -hmm. a huge staple in his movies, and that was 100% here. And like a small, self-contained story, too. It's not like this big, vast, big scope movie. It's usually centered on one man's plight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it felt very much like his movie, but also, yeah, you could sort of step back and be like, this is just a teleplay of any play Mm -hmm. about a murder, but there's flair and genius going on here that... Anytime it pans over to poor Philip, and his face is contorted in a different way, and his lip is quivering... His eyes are just completely white and black. Oh, God. Perfect. Perfect casting. It's just great because every time they cut to him, he looks different. Like, it's a different amount of worry. It's Mm -hmm. a different look of disheveledness. A different amount of drunk. (laughs) Yeah. Like, no two Philip scenes are the same, really. And even if you just catch him for a brief minute, you just hear him go, oh. (laughs) (laughs) I know, yeah. His lip lip is quivering. Yeah. Yeah. He's just staring at the floor or something. <laughs> right. I feel like at a certain point, like, his coat got too big for his arms because he'd shrunken them so much. Like, cause he was Oh, like, yeah. Fish. His hands were just, like, down by his thighs or whatever, just, like, yeah. looking at the floor. Yeah, but it seemed like his suit grew because he was just, like, becoming a child in front of yeah. the eyes or whatever. Because he's just like, I can't. No, I can't deal with this. <laughs> I know. His posture changed throughout. Yeah. Great stuff. Where does this rank for you now that we can talk about... Um... I I have enjoyed it more watching it with you both. I'll rank it higher for that reason, but there's still... I like sexy Hitchcock. Hmm. I'll we'll put it that way. I like more of... This is sexy in a scary way. A little more danger. Yeah, more dangerous, heavier on the paranoia than the intrigue and sex. Okay. But still enjoyable. Any other favorite pieces of dialogue or lines that we haven't covered for you guys? I don't think I really wrote down any lines of dialogue. There's a couple for me I loved when, um, was that Annette? Was that her name? The, yeah, Anita. When Anita was like, my husband likes to drink champagne at 11 a.m., but, but Cedric doesn't, or, but, uh, Henry doesn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, her, the, was it the something something? Oh, yeah, that whole thing. Or sequence. just oh, yeah. something. That was good stuff. Yeah. Because we do that on the show. We do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the whole time I'm thinking, like, that's what we sound like sometimes. <laughs> no, I was a guy and he was in the thing, but it was, oh, it was the thing. It was like something yeah. of the something. Things. Or maybe it was just something something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that whole bit was great. And I did love the uh, the whole, you know, when should murder be allowed. And I love the line where he's like, no, 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 you can't stab the hotel guy. Hotel people, you need to call it the Bureau of Blunt Objects. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like that each different group of murderees has a different way in which you should legally be allowed to kill them and not everyone is the same. Uh, and what was it? Slow torture was like children. Uh, I forget. There was some, there was like four or five other groups in there, but that was pretty funny too. Like you can shoot some, you can stab some, you can blunt object them to death, but then some of them deserve the slow torture, like cab drivers and children. <laughs> Murder helps the theater. Yeah. Yeah. 
Like, too long a line for Broadway tickets? Kill a guy. <laughs> Can you get in the VIP section behind the velvet rope? Kill that man. Yeah. I love how excited the aunt is, too. She's like, hell yeah. Yeah, let's do it. This is exciting. I want to do a murder in New York, baby. Yeah. <laughs> what a great town. Yeah. It's not especially punchy, but I do like it. About halfway through, Auntie Capricorn comes up to Philip, <laughs> and she... She like reads his palms, and he's like, "What about the concert?" <laughs> and she's looking at his hands, and she's like, hmm, "These hands will make you famous one day." And he's yeah. just like, "Oh God!" Because <laughs> like, they did a murder. It. <laughs> yeah, I love. It's like a good amount of ominous, yeah. especially coming from. Such a silly character who seems really oblivious, but then to give her just this really prescient, spooky line is just such a nice, nice choice. It's like salted caramel. A little dark humor, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's a testament to the filmmaking process that someone like Anita would have been absolutely too much to deal with in another movie. Like, if a yes. character like that came into a movie with murder and intrigue and was just vamping all over the set you'd be like get her out of here but here it's like it's almost charming that she's just so upbeat and oblivious to every context clue that philip is presenting where he's just basically like crying as she's holding his hand but just about every character is just a little more silly a little more exaggerated than the normal archetype or part like that type of person yeah horoscope corner though i just want to circle back she (laughs) does say that philip is a cancer which I do feel like is accurate. There you go. Ruled by the moon, baby. Mm-hmm. A lot of feelings. If only the moon had been out to make him not murder. Dude, can't. Right. Don't shine that light in his eyes. We didn't touch on this at all. How do you feel about? We'll do a costume corner. What do you think of the 1940s fashions? Um, nobody's really popping for me. No, nobody's popping. Um, I know it's hard with only one wardrobe essentially per person. Yeah, we've got um, a couple of stoles, some suits. Yeah, wool suits. I almost want to go back and look. I feel like Brendan and Rupert are in like opposite colors oh. a little bit. Like they're inversed. Like Rupert's Rupert's suit is blue, but his tie is gray. Or no, Brendan's suit is blue and his tie is gray, and Rupert is gray with a blue tie. But I might be my memory might be clouding. And then Philip is in like a warm orange. Yeah, it's like a uh, almost a burgundy maybe. Burgundy, yeah. Um, so Rupert has a gray suit and a blue tie and Brandon has a blue suit and like a, a blue hue, like striped tie where there's a lot of different, so there's some gray in there, but it's like a monochromatic stripe of different uh, blues. It looks like so. Okay. Not necessarily as overtly. Hey, look at that. Look Look at that. Oh, yeah. Not, it's not worthy of being a a number on a BuzzFeed listicle. Correct. Damn. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about that. But I was thinking about it, like, their their colors during that final confrontation, but it's not quite, not quite there. No. Mm. Something of note, there's no blonde in this, which is an interesting, we don't have the Hitchcock blonde. No. That uh, comes later in Technicolor. Ken's blonde, isn't he? True, but that's not the kind of blonde I'm thinking of. No. This is his first foray. You <laughs> start short, yeah, yeah. and then you get to the longer blondes. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, no, because all the women are brunettes, and it's just it's it's just Ken. It's it's just Ken. Yeah. And, and is Henry's David bald. blonde? He might be blonde. 
Uh, oh, I don't know. The picture that they use for David is black and white. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't remember enough of the very brief piece that he's out of the mm-hmm. chest to uh, to know okay. or to remember. Well, Tommy, any final thoughts from you then? Anything else that you want to get out there? Not really. This, this is a really enjoyable experience. I really like this movie. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, same. Yes. I was a big fan of this. I'm honestly surprised that you were as worried that we weren't yeah. going to like it as I think you, you let on. I don't know how much of that was uh, listen, undue anxiety because of some of the other, <laughs> you know. I really thought, I have to stop listening to Brian because Brian <laughs> loved Moonstruck when I showed it to him months ago. Yeah. And so he's like, oh, it's going to knock it out of the park. They're going to love it. And then it was fell flat in his face. Yeah. And then we were talking about this and he was like i wouldn't want to watch that so then all my i think so but i was like oh it's hitchcock you know it's the one that's like all like one continuous shot and he was like "Ugh, i wouldn't want to watch that Hmm. so he's probably watching 90 day fiance so i need to (laughs) stop listening to him so much he's watching botched or something (laughs) (laughs) my 700 Um, pound botched life yeah (laughs) botched life yeah No, I just, I, yeah. (laughs) In TRs. (laughs) (laughs) I've lost my... Your your sense around My my sense, yeah. So this, but this is good. Yeah, no, I I thought this was great. Awesome. I I enjoyed it. I was in it from the start. Didn't take a lot of notes because I was just listening, Mm -hmm. you know, and this, I think this is a a good movie mostly because I wasn't overthinking it a lot, whereas some of the worst movies I tend to think about them more and start to dig into it more and... I can tell when I'm not liking it because now I'm overanalyzing mm-hmm. the way I did with Moonstruck and some of the other rom-coms uh, in particular. Whereas this, I was just like, nope, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm on the tracks. I'm, I'm ready for whatever you're throwing at me. Yeah. I'm not thinking too far ahead. I'm not being like, oh, what about that thing from before? Like the most I did that was counting the bullets. Like that was the most I was in my head for this movie. Yeah. Which says but if to you me. But if you see six bullets in a chamber, oh, yeah. you're going to count them. Oh, yeah. Because that's the thing, I've seen enough, you know, Chekhov's bullets to know that (laughs) if you show me six, I have to be mentally prepared for six. Like, six in, six out. Um, So that was the most that I was, I think, in my head for this, which just says to me that I enjoyed it uh, quite a bit. Nice. Well, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. Yeah, it was refreshing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, good suggestion. Johnny. Thank you, Johnny. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You're welcome. But your excitement when he suggested it, you know, proved that it was the right thing to do. Yeah. So. And I felt, well, being the only person who had seen it, I was like, how do I talk about this movie and sort of introduce it? Mm-hmm. And. No, oh, one, one of the better blind experiences I've yeah. had going in. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I honestly don't even know if I would have liked it less had I known anything. Like, I don't know what I could have known going in that would have made it so that way this wasn't a bunch of fun to watch. Because mm-hmm. there's not like a big twist. The murder happens right at the beginning. There, I, There's not a lot that you could be like, oh, it's about this. And you'd be like, hmm. I don't know. The way that you talked about last week, liking the movie more because you didn't know it was time travel going in. Yeah. Where, like, I feel like this movie didn't really have that. So I think we, I would have liked it either way. But going in blind was a just a nice, fun experience because I don't get to do that a lot. Yeah. Especially with older movies. Because mm-hmm. something about it is known going in. Yeah. I think sometimes maybe people, because it is so known for its technicality, and the the idea of you know it's one continuous shot. I think a lot of people go in looking for that for from the start, and that's what their eye is on. Mm. And then you miss like the beginning murder and just the whole establishing 
And I don't know. But it's, you know, it's well regarded as it should be. No, I'll definitely watch it again. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for the technical aspects of it. Because I think it took me a while to realize it was one shot. So to see some of that in the early parts before it clicked for me, I think would be. I might even have to untape. I'm not even sure. Yes, yes. Some of these Hitchcock sets, they just like people just throw away. So I just bought them all. So. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Well, that'll do it then for this week's episode of Fine, I'll Watch It. Remember, you can find every episode of Fine, I'll Watch It every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, and Spotify. Uh, you can rate review the show uh, in Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. So if you give us five stars, that would be greatly appreciated as it helps the show out a lot, just like telling a friend does. Uh, so if there's anybody that you uh, want to talk about Hitchcock with the that they haven't seen this movie, have them take a look, take a listen, uh, and share the show amongst your friends. We would greatly appreciate that as well. Uh, you can let us know what you think of Hitchcock films, uh, and this one, Rope in particular. Have you seen any of the other adaptations for TV? Have you listened to the radio broadcast from the 80s? Uh, do you have a particular favorite adaptation of Rope? Let us know on Facebook and Twitter, at Broken Clock Pods. But once again, for fine, I'll watch it. My name is Adam. I'm Bridget. And I'm Johnny. And thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.